Welcome to the Judge John Hodgman Podcast. I'm your good time summertime guest bailiff, Monty Belmonte, from WRSI 93.9 The River in Northampton, Massachusetts, in for Jesse Thorne. This week, go set a tip jar. Emily brings the case against her friend Danny. They co-host a monthly reading series together. It's a labor of love, and the events are free. Emily thinks they should ask for donations to expand the series. Danny says that would make for an unhappy ending. Who's right? Who's wrong? Who killed off all of your favorite characters in the first two books? Only one man can decide. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman enters the courtroom and issues the obscure cultural reference. Spy Rock is a subgenre of popular music from the early 1980s about which one of three things may be true. One, Spy Rock does not exist. Two, Spy Rock does exist, but only in my own mind. Or three, Spy Rock exists and is well known to everyone, except me, and it has already been described in great detail by some music aficionado, thus rendering my essay a complete waste of time. Summertime, fun time, guest bailiff Monty Belmonte, swear him in. Danny, Emily, please rise and raise your right hands. Place them on this copy of War and Peace. Do you promise to tell the truth through the best of times and the worst of times? Sucks to your ass, Ma Piggy, but never to kill a mockingbird. So help you, original Atticus Finch or whomever. I do. I do. Do you swear to abide by Judge John Hodgman's ruling despite the fact that on this dark and stormy night, you should call him Ishmael? <laughs> uh, yes, sounds good. Thank you. Judge Hodgman, you may proceed. Danny and Emily, you may be seated for immediate summary. Uh, well, I should say end of summary. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I knew you would. I knew that one was for you, Monty, because you love puns and it's oh, the end of summer. You. I do. It's great. In fact, by the time you listen to this, probably summer will have been well over and I will no longer be in the summertime home of the Judge John Hodgman podcast, WERU, in Blue Hill, Maine, sitting across the dials and knobs from Joel Mann, the third man, our main time producer here. End of summary judgment in one of yours favors. Can either of you name the piece of culture that I quoted slash paraphrased as I entered the courtroom? Uh, Emily, you bring this case before me seeking justice. Take a crack at it. Um, I am not sure what it is at all. I'm going mm-hmm. to guess that it is... Uh, an essay from the believer. Hmm. Hmm. I'm not going to say one thing or the other yet. Danny, you got drug in here by your friend Emily. Yep. To answer for your crimes, do you have a guess? Um, I don't. But I'm going to um make a guess that I think is probably wrong. Is it an excerpt from the upcoming Vacation Land tour? You know what, guys? Let me say this. Both of those were great guesses. That clearly involved some thought and consideration that I appreciate. <laughs> and more than that, I appreciate that you both made guesses, thus allowing me to tell you all guesses are wrong. 
okay. <laughs> that is the opening of a lecture delivered by David Guion, G-U-I-O-N, co-writer of the movie Dinner with Schmucks, and my good friend performed in the year 2004 on the subject of spy rock, a musical subgenre that he defines in detail, at the 26th Little Grey Book Lecture that I presented in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, in a former mayonnaise factory as part of a literary reading series that I curated for, for, for many years. Well, specifically, five. Now, now, beginning 15 years ago and ending 10 years ago. And we would have readings of original essays and stuff that people had written. And maybe some songs and maybe some spelling bees and dog shows. And one time David Wondrich dressed up as George Washington and made uh, a colonial era punch for everybody. <laughs> That's awesome. We had, a, we had a good time and it's all over now. And very few remnants uh, of the tapes that we made of them exist because we were making them on tape. I think we were making them on, on scotch tape or wax cylinders or something. Because that was a long time ago. <laughs> but David Gillen's Spy Rock essay from the themed uh, Little Grey Book Lecture, Secret of the Secret Agents, uh, <laughs> is one of the great ones. Very, very funny. And should have appeared in The Believer. And maybe I'll quote yeah. it in the upcoming Vacation Land tour, making all guesses right, in a way. But, that, <laughs> but right now you're wrong. And I only tell you about this because you guys are running a literary reading series, I believe in Portland, Maine. And so I'm suing you for stealing <laughs> my idea. Oh, no. Oh, crap. Unless your reading series is boring, in which case that is a long-standing idea that's been around for a lot longer than what you and I are doing. Is your reading series boring, Danny and Emily? I'll ask Emily first. <laughs> it's not boring at all. It's not boring. All right. So, <laughs> I, it's it's a first of all, you are in Portland, Maine. Is that correct? Correct. So, depending on when this particular podcast airs, will you be, or did you, or have you already been to my show in Portland on September thirteenth? You know what? We probably won't go because we're going to see you in Boston on the twelfth. Yes. About the well, tickets before you made the Portland yeah. date. Well, I didn't think that a Portland date would work, and that's why I said on this very podcast that Boston would be my only New England appearance. I heard you say it. That's why I went and bought tickets. I know, and that's why I'm so glad to be able to apologize to you now. But so many people got so mad that I was doing a show called Vacation Land. Yeah, I bet. And I felt really bad about it. And, uh, and, and you know what else? Uh, then suddenly that night became free. So I said, let's just do it in Portland, Maine. Yeah. And because you bought tickets for Boston, I'm going to put you guys on the list. You can come to the Portland oh, show if you thank want. thank you. For free. <laughs> and anyone else uh, who did, who bought tickets for Boston because they lived in Maine and they didn't think I would come here? Well, you're out of luck. You still have to buy tickets for Portland. I'm ordering you to. <laughs> 
So, Emily, you bring this case before this court. Tell me a little bit about your reading series. What is it called? So, um, Danny and I run a reading series called Word Portland. Um, we are coming up on our three-year anniversary, and we mm-hmm. are we every month we have three authors of varying genres come up and read their original work before um, you know a bar audience of people that are excited to hear about it. Right, they're in they're in a bar. Yeah, and what and what are the what are the genres slash um, fiction. Okay. We we have had flash fiction. We primarily we ha- we do like the the main three uh, being fiction, nonfiction, and poetry. Um, oh, we've okay. also had uh, all right. First of all, cut, performed yes. Cut poetry. <laughs> <laughs> you because you want to make some money on this, right? Isn't that the whole reason that you you're doing that, this, Emily? That's that's true. You wanna you wanna put out a tip jar? Um. Yes. All right. And Danny doesn't want that to happen. That's right. Danny, why don't you want to put a tip jar out? Um, I think mostly I just feel like it's kind of tacky. We've been running this series so well for so many years and we've never done that before. And I feel like it would just be sort of weird. It's, it's, it's working. I feel like we shouldn't try to, you know, fix it if it's not broken. Um, the other thing is I think I'm really fine with raising money if I, if we're really transparent about where the money is going, we've raised money in the past to get like a new sound system and mm-hmm. we funded a book that we're putting out soon. But if we were just collecting money at the bar without some sort of campaign, I feel like it might seem like the money would be going to the authors, right? Because that's the, mm-hmm. that's the art that people have come to see. And I don't think that we can guarantee a consistent honorarium to pay our authors right now. We just pay them with two drinks each uh, mm-hmm. on the house and mm-hmm. it's it seems to be working fine um mm-hmm. there's no cover to get in the bar we don't have that many expenses i feel like if we collected money i don't know where it would go and i feel uncomfortable asking people for money without telling them what we're spending it on mm-hmm. um and so if it's been going so well emily and it's and it's successful right like how many emily how many people come to hear to hear the fiction and and nonfiction and sit through the poetry? Um, I would say <laughs> I'm not very good at estimating numbers. I'd say maybe, you know, we get a, a good maybe 50 people come. Uh, That's great. It, yeah, it's a smallish bar, and we always have many people standing because all of the seats are also full. So, Oh, that's terrific. And everyone has a yeah. great time, right? Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. And I don't mind buzz marketing it because it's a it's a a, a local main business. Yeah, thank you. Where, wh- what is the bar called? LFK. LFK. Yes. What does that stand for? They won't tell us. I think it's Longfellow's Kitchen, but they're really mysterious about it. They actually will tell you it stands for Little Furry Kittens. Little Furry wrong. Kitten. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got some attitude there. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, Emily. Yes. How much does it cost to to do this thing? Why do you want um, money so much? <laughs> well, why do you uh, love money? <laughs> I feel like that's sort of a two part answer. The first part is how much it costs right now. We do have a couple expenses. Um, we Go ahead. The, the only sort of constant expense, which is pretty minor, is we do make buttons and give them out for free. And Danny might forget that because I'm the one that buys the supplies and makes the buttons. Um, what's, also, on the bu- what's on the buttons? 
words? It's a picture of a typewriter and our initials WP for Word Portland. Oh, thank you for telling me what your initials stand for, because the way I hear it in Portland, people are pretty cagey about their initials. You're very welcome, John. Uh, all right. So how, how much how much money are you throwing at this button endeavor? So th- that, as I said, is a pretty minor expense, but it is an expense. It's about $25 every time I make the buttons um, because I already own the equipment, which the equipment originally was about $100. Yeah, no. You know, I have one of those button making machines and it is... A awesome. real joy to make a button <laughs> or, you know, but those, those machines are not cheap. No, it's an investment. It's an investment. Another thing is Danny mentioned uh, a sound system, which we, so we started the reading series with no sound system and we just spoke loudly. Uh, we eventually upgraded to a guitar amp, which um, we've gotten a number of complaints about that it still isn't really doing the job. So that's a thing that we currently need money for. We don't have okay. a good sound system. And do you feel that your audience, what, what your, your preferred method is to soak up money from your audience via passing a hat or something? Um, yes. So right now we do currently have a donation button on our website, which mm-hmm. is, I'm guessing rarely visited. Yeah. No, and no one's ever, no one's ever going to press that. Right. We don't, we don't mention it. We've gotten a couple of donations through that. And literally, I mean, a couple, I think we've gotten two. Yeah. Um, you know, which I, I don't, we think, I don't think, people. I don't think, a, I don't think a donation button has been pressed on a website since 2003. <laughs> I don't think people have gone to a website since 2014. <laughs> and they're certainly not they're certainly not pressing those donation buttons. <laughs> they are not. Do you what kind of hat do you like a fancy hat? Like a um, poetry hat? <laughs> I do have I do have a couple of nice hats. I also have a nice basket that I sort of had in mind, but I do mm-hmm. have a top hat with a feather on it and that would be kind yeah. of nice as go well. Go with the uh-huh. go with the basket. I like the basket. Nice basket okay. is a good idea. I mean, if I if I so order it. Because Never, never mind what Danny, who hates money, feels. How much do you expect you could get in that basket? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. It would be awesome if, you know, a third of the people threw in between one and ten dollars. Uh, and so, if I do the math really quickly, that might be fifty dollars. Right. Well, let me ask you this. Who's paying for the drinks for these poets and writers? LFK. So they're giving away two free drinks to these deadbeats? Yeah, they are. <laughs> and so the benefit to them is they got a bunch of people coming in there buying exactly. food and drink. What would you guess the patron is spending there? 10 or 20 bucks on drinks yeah. and snacks yeah, or something like that? Yeah, I think like so. Yeah. So why do you want to pass around a basket? Why don't you just charge charge these people two dollars, five dollars to come in? Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, I do love money, and that I want people to give us some voluntarily. I don't want to make the reading cost money. I like that it's a free reading, and I think that's important. Well, either it's going to be free or it's not going to be free. This is what it comes down to. Mm-hmm. If you're going to routinely pass the hat and guilt people into throwing in a few dollars then it's no longer free. I don't think and it's I not free to... for them to begin with because they're coming to pay money to be there anyway. And the reason that they're doing it is because you guys 
are providing them something that doesn't exist unless you make it and that they want. Right. Right? Mm -hmm. So why 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 is your time worth zero dollars? Why not charge? Good question. I haven't thought of it specifically that way before. Danny, um, would you be more upset if I ordered you guys to start charging money for this thing? Yeah, that'd be the worst, John. Right. Why do you hate money so much? Oh, man. Um, I feel like, you know, there's... there's Why is so your time worth nothing? Oh, man. See, that's the hard part because I... I do feel like if we if we appreciate art, we should pay for it. I feel like art is valuable, and I'm I'm happy to pay for. Oh, I'm not talking about paying the writers; they get paid in exposure. <laughs> I think I have an answer. Could I answer? Yeah, who is this? Emily speaking. Yeah, this, yes, right. this is Emily. So, um, one of the reasons is we we do invite an audience to come to the reading, and. A lot of the people that come there are there to see it. But some people just happen to be in the bar, and I'd really like to open up the experience to them. And we have had people happen upon the series and get mm -hmm. excited and come back to it. Mm -hmm. But if we charged people, then we wouldn't get new people that didn't know about it. Mm -hmm. If we were an exclusive you know, party and we charged, I would be happy to charge people if we had like an exclusive party and everyone really wanted to come see it. But since people are just at the bar, I want them to be able to experience the art, you know, and come to it on their own instead of deciding before they've even seen it whether or not they're going to come based on paying us. I don't know why you care about those deadbeats. <laughs> but all right. Where do you find where do you find the writers? Um, this is Emily. So first we, we we first started by choosing some writers that we know. We both uh, studied writing in school, so we, we know some writers already. Wait, wait, we... wait, wait, wait a minute. Uh, yeah? Uh -oh. Emily, how old are you? Um, I'm 31. Danny, how old are you? 29. Where did you study writing in school? <laughs> the University of Maine at Farmington. Also the University of Southern Maine. Also are you Emerson both, College. <laughs> are you masters of fine arts in writings? Only Emily. I'm a, I'm a master's of fine arts. Danny is a master of the art of publishing. So you have There's master's degrees in writing and publishing. Yeah, we do. You really do hate money, don't you? <laughs> yeah, we just threw it all away. I'm a teacher now, too, so I'm, I'm just never going to have money. Is that I'm Danny? I'm a waitress. Yeah. Oh, okay. Emily is a waitress, and I love money. <laughs> I teach eighth grade. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, that's tough stuff. It's it's the best. Those kids smell probably. They do. They really do. <laughs> I know. Well, I'm having a real hard time figuring out what's going on here. Mm -hmm. You know, because I don't I don't know that there's I don't understand Emily. Like mm -hmm. I don't agree with Danny. Right. That 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 everything should be free. Right. From my point of view, you know, when I was doing these little gray book lectures, I and 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 even now when I go out on shows, I try to keep the cost down as low as possible. You know, but I want even the little gray book lectures, I knew I had to establish a precedent that some money would be paid. Right. And that was $2. And guess what? The audience was happy to pay it. Yeah. Um, because it's not, it's not a lot of money. But I, I needed to do it in order to establish that this is something that 
I'm not just doing for fun. Mm. This right. is something. This is something that is that I am investing a lot of time and care in. And while no one's going to get rich off of this, having the small admission price allowed me to raise up enough money to sort of keep in a cash purse, so that if I needed to say fly someone in um, as a very extravagant expense, or just get someone a car home. Or, you know, pay f- to rent a visual project, like an overhead projector or something. Yeah. And that, 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 that money was there as a backstop but to pay for that stuff. But most importantly, it just set the precedent that I, I am charging money and this, and this is worth money. That's how, I think, that's how I think it should be done. You think all these podcasts have put themselves out into the world for free and then all of a sudden two, three, four years – go on and they've created a huge body of work and and it's very hard to monetize. And mm. one of the things I like about maximumfund.org is that this is a you know this is a very high-minded public institution but <laughs> the transaction is clear. We're going to ask you for money. We're going to we're going to pass around a tip jar mm-hmm. during pledge time. So the same thing that happens here at WERU in Maine. Yeah. You can pledge 1-800-643-6273. If you want to pledge to WERU in Maine, that's 1-800-643-6273 or pledge online at WERU.org. So that's why I don't agree with Danny. But what I don't get from Emily is a strong argument as, you know, if, why, you, why you want all this money other than you just love money. Because your expenses are minimal. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you really wanted to just raise money for a sound system, then Danny is okay with that, right, Danny? I am very okay with that. So you could do a Kickstarter or, yeah. um, I presume I you have an emailing list and you can just send an email out saying we need, you know, or, Definitely. or just a specific venture. Like Danny, would you be upset if you guys passed the basket around saying we need to raise X amount of money for a thing. Please give what you can. Not at all. And we have, we've done that in the past. That's how we got our first sound system. And actually, I mean, we yeah, had well, a, that was, a whole, it turns out that it's garbage. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> um, maybe because we didn't get enough money, but we, um, we recently had a benefit night where we raised money so that we could fund a book. And so we edited and, and collaborated um, with Pine Pitch Press, who's a local press here. And we are producing this book and we're paying for it with these donations. And I'm really happy to do that. And the money that we get from selling this book, I want to put right back into that sound system mm-hmm. and to, to, yeah. to buy more and more button supplies. Like I feel like there's a built-in way to make money um, that I feel very comfortable with. What, what makes me uncomfortable is that if we pass the hat and then don't give the money to the authors, because I feel like people are going to mm-hmm. put money in thinking that it's going to the authors. That's, that's the part that makes me uncomfortable. We all agree no money is going to any authors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to respond And you know to- what? The authors agree. The authors have agreed to that as well. They have yes. by default by choosing their sad, impoverished path. Now I, I'm just joking, of course. You could, that's you could you could build in, you know, an honorarium for the authors and fund that as well. But what mm-hmm. I'm not getting from you, Emily, is a is a clear picture of how much money you want to raise, why you want to raise it, and why passing the basket around is going to be the best way to do it. You just want to get some income going in. 
Well, may I may I respond to these questions? You may. You, they're not questions. They're accusations. All right. May <laughs> I respond to the accusations? Um, I feel like I originally hadn't finished explaining what I wanted the money for. So okay. there are some more points to that. Um, for example, this book that we raised money to produce and are in the process of producing, we actually don't have enough money to fully pay everyone as much as we'd like to and also publish the books. Or we're very, very close to, you know, maybe not publishing that many books in our first print run. Like if we only use the money that we have and not dip into our own wallets, we're probably going to print less than 100 books, which we need more than that because I think we'll sell more than that. Well, let Um, me ask you this question, though. Yes. Is the book a Sudoku book or is it by John Green? Because those those sell well. (laughs) Uh, It is not either of those things. What is it? An anthology um, of people. It's an, yeah. it's an anthology of people that have read exactly. Right. Okay. I'm going to venture to guess that's not going to be the way you raise a lot of money. Right. That's not my guess either. So far, our only actual expenses right now are the buttons and the sound system. But we also have potential expenses. And I feel like the reason we only have a few expenses is because we don't have any money and we pay for everything ourselves. If we actually had a pool to to you know to go from and to dream from a big a big a money pool like a big yeah. pool of gold a, a balloons big pool that you could swim in Uncle Scrooge McDuck style yeah. yeah exactly well we could possibly do other merchandise which you know like who knows like another anthology or maybe bags or something or stickers we talked about one time but we never went into that because we don't have any money so that's something that we could possibly produce and or giveaway or sell we also don't have any money to provide um for like you mentioned emergency expenses um if we do need let's say unanticipated expenses okay i don't think there are going to be a lot of emergencies (laughs) (laughs) at the literary reading (laughs) word choice is very important a a terrible paper cut that's going to require a uh, 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 an ambulance to the hospital and someone's uninsured. That's <laughs> no. You're right. Word choice is important. So, un, un, uh, what was the word you used again? Not emergency. Unanticipated. Unanticipated expenses. Um, we have had a couple authors that we were excited to invite that potentially accepted our request and then they said they couldn't do it because they couldn't afford to come down. And I'm not necessarily saying that we would pay those authors and not other ones just because they live far away. But Well, what are your ambitions we were- for it, I mean, are, do you want to be in a? Uh, do you want to grow? Do you want more people to come? Do you want to be able to invite authors from away, as you say so xenophobically in Maine? <laughs> can I? Can I answer? This is Danny. Please. Um, yeah. I don't think we do actually. I think we've we've prided ourselves on providing like a really quality literary series, but we have a mix of experiences in our authors. And we always, when we look at our submissions, we, you know, people send us a little bio first and we usually skip that and just read the submission first. And we've Mm -hmm. accepted people who have had a bunch of books to sell by big publishers. And we've accepted people who just wrote one thing and think it's good and it is good. And we get them to come read. And I think that it's nice that we have sort of a safe space for, for, those sort of things, we, we don't really want to go to another venue. Um, our venue is kind of a great size, and if we grew, we'd have to probably find somewhere else. I don't, I don't know. We've talked about this a lot. It's, it's, it's running itself right now. It's, a, it's, it's going really well, and it's been really consistent for three years. So 
I mean, if we wanted to do something else, it would just be sort of improving what we have as far as equipment or, I mean, it might be nice to record what we have. We thought about, we talked about that. Putting that out would the cost book. money, don't you think? Uh, it would. And then, uh, you know, and then putting out the book is, a, is an expense. So, I mean, that's the only, but we, I, I don't think we want to grow or travel or, you know, it's not a, it's not necessarily about. Um, getting bigger names either. I mean, whoever uh, wants to read is welcome to submit. It must be interesting to live in Portland, Maine. This is like the, <laughs> Actually, the John, most we've anti, had some... the, 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 like the most bizarro version of New York City that I've ever heard of. We get bigger. We don't, we don't really want to, we don't want to get famous people. <laughs> we, I mean, they're we welcome wanna, to come read if they, wanna, they would yeah. like. We don't want to get anything out of it. <laughs> we just like doing it. Aww. And I'm not starving either. <laughs> uh, but Danny, you're a master of publishing. That's and right. Pu- and you've already published one anthology. Is this not somehow a, an expression of your publishing mastery? Don't you want to publish more books? Yeah, I mean, that would be great. But you know what? This is the first one we've ever done, I feel like. And it's you know, it's, it's working. We're coming in a little over budget, but I feel like we'll make that back in book sales. <laughs> no, you won't. Um, <laughs> Emily, yes. do you share Danny's lack of ambitions when it comes to this project? Um, I share Danny's view, but I wouldn't call it a lack of ambitions. I just don't think she is accurately or maybe the two of us have not accurately described the reading series. I feel like we don't, we're, we're so busy. And as mentioned, we're not getting paid for this. In fact, we're paying for it. So we don't have a lot of time, but what we do do is really popular here in Portland. And actually we have had people come from uh, many places in new England, a couple places across the U S we even had a reader from New Zealand once. So we do have a little bit of a far reach and we've had uh, a number of authors that are at least locally, you know, like Maine and or New England famous. Mm-hmm. So I feel like we we do have a quite a good group of people and quite no, a no, good no, no, no. Don't get me don't get me wrong. I'm not running down what you're doing and saying that it's small time. I I think it sounds great. Uh, I guess my my question is, you both are equally happy at keeping it at this level. But you would like to do a little bit, a little bit better amplification of voices through the sound system, and yeah. otherwise just keep it going. I think we want to make it possibly, or I would, I should say, I Emily want to make it maybe a little more awesome for the people that are already involved. But I don't think we need to do anything in terms of making it a bigger space or having more people. But I want to make it as awesome as it can be for the people that are already involved. And why? And you're a waitress. Yes. Or a, a, a server, a, a restaurant server? Correct. Right. Uh, great great restaurant town, Portland, is what I hear. <laughs> yes, we have many. Um, the best one. Why aren't you... But you have a master's of fine arts in writing. Are you doing your own writing? I am, yes. Okay. And that's going to be... Is that the big goal for you? Um, it's... It's the big goal. I like to be realistic, so I'm not really banking on that making me any money. But it is it is an ambition that I have, yes. And are you a fiction writer, nonfiction writer, or poet? I'm a fiction writer. Don't <laughs> worry. All right. Yeah. Well, so you're right. Straight down the middle. Most likely yeah. to make money as nonfiction writer. 
mm-hmm. least likely as a poet. Fiction yeah. writer, you write down the middle. You yeah, write, that's right. You write some of those some of those John Green books. Maybe you'll make a little bit of money there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm going to work on my John Green book. Yeah, <laughs> good. Um, okay. Uh, I uh, and what and 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 master of publishing. You have no desire to go into book publishing or online publishing or use your master's degree beyond. You're also happy to sit in Portland and and teach eighth grade and and this is how you get out your creative energies. You know, pretty much. I'm really happy to sit in Portland and teach eighth grade. And I feel like, you know, the past couple months I have been using my publishing uh, knowledge more because we are publishing this book, which has been really lovely. Um, but yeah, I I like I like being a teacher. And I feel like that's, you know, that's that's going to be my business. And, you know, Word Portland is a labor of love uh, in the off hours for me, for sure. Great. Two satisfied, happy people. Who are comfortable with their lives, Monty? How <laughs> am I going to deal with these? How am I going to deal with these jerks? I don't know. I don't know. I don't speak this language. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well be talking to Portland, Oregon here. <laughs> Other. All right, all right. I'll figure. I'll figure it out. I'm going to find the crux of this thing. I think. I. I think I'm going to go into my chambers, and uh, and uh, and uh, and I'll sit and I'll sit in my chair and uh, and try to for a moment feel at peace and happy with my life and see what that feels like. And maybe that'll help me come to some decisions. <laughs> Listen to some poetry and just totally tune out and maybe figure Now, out hang on, Monty. <laughs> no poetry. <laughs> Sorry. I'll go into chambers. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman exits the courtroom. Danny, who hates money, never wants to pay authors. Uh, what, what's wrong with a, a little bit of, of shake? Voluntary donation, you know, maybe a sign at the door. It's free, but if you'd like to make a donation, no problem. You Are you open to that sort of idea? Without even an announcement from your uh, terrible public address system, you could have like a little sign at the entrance or something like that. Might that be a bridge the gap, Danny? You know, I mean, that doesn't sound too bad. I think my, my worry is we're just not being transparent about where the money's going. Why know? won't we be? Well, I mean, maybe we will be like because of this sign. We'll have to say like, please pay us the curators of the series who aren't reading tonight. <laughs> you know? Maybe we'll find a nice way of saying it. Yeah, please pay us for to... this service that you are coming to every time. <laughs> why, why do you why do you need to disclose this? Are you afraid to pay authors? It sounds like you like I, if they no. think we're paying authors, this thing is off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would lo- I would love to pay the authors. I just don't feel like we could get That's enough money to guarantee. You know, I don't. But think you don't that have to. Could... That can be between Maybe you and each individual author. You could do that on a case by case basis. Now, Emily, yeah. Yeah. who loves money to the point where you have a top hat <laughs> with a feather attached to it, already ready <laughs> to collect money. If you could think of anything more pretentious of a way to try to collect money in the in your face methodology of this otherwise free I event. Was in a basket. What about like a soft sell, you know, just a, you know, one light little statement, like I said, or like a sign at the door, you know, if, you know, we do this for free, we volunteer, but we have some expenses. And if you want to make a donation, that'd be great. Or go the commercial radio route. Forget about MaximumFun.org. Forget about WER. You do it like we do at WRSI. Sell commercials and or sponsorships. Get get duck fat or one of those restaurants in Portland to underwrite your whole campaign here. 
No. Uh, we could ha- we could have a duck fat representative come up between readers and there you go and, and throw make some a- prize at the audience. Yeah. Throw some French fries. Buzz buzz market them like we're doing right now. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see what Judge John Hodgman has to say. We'll be back in just a moment with Judge John Hodgman's decision. You're listening to Judge John Hodgman. I'm bailiff Jesse Thorne. Of course, the Judge John Hodgman podcast always brought to you by you, the members of MaximumFun.org. Thanks to everybody who's gone to MaximumFun.org slash join. And you can join them by going to MaximumFun.org slash join. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Aura. A-U-R-A. It's a simple but meaningful gift that you can give your mom or your dad or your step-grandparent or your uncle or your friend or anyone that you want to keep connected in your life who might not live near you. It's a digital picture frame from Aura. It's perfect for sharing pics of all the things that those friends can't be there for, from family vacations to grandkids' graduation to whatever. I have one of these, and I got one for my dad. And I got one for my mother-in-law. And it's amazing. We look at the photos all day long, and we're able to easily update their Aura frames so they see all the latest pictures from our lives as well. It comes with unlimited storage, simple controls on the frame. You can upload as many photos as you want, and your mom or your dad or your stepdad or your stepmom or your friend or whatever can pick the perfect one. And it takes only about two minutes to set up, seriously. See why it was named the number one digital frame by Wirecutter, uh, The Strategist, and Wired Magazine. Right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code Hodgman. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com, promo code Hodgman. Terms and conditions apply. The Judge John Hodgman podcast is also brought to you this week by Babbel. Okay, it's 2024. Oh, if hindsight were 2020, I I don't know what I would have done differently. All I know is that I'm taking every day in this year and trying to get better a little bit every day. That's what you do. That's the way progress is made, step by step, day by day, bird by bird. And that's the way it is when you're learning anything, especially a new language with Babbel. And if Babbel can help you start speaking language in just three weeks... Imagine what you could do in the rest of this whole year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars to private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts, real human beings, to help you start speaking a new language in as little as one, two, three weeks. Studies from Michigan State University, Yale University, and others continue to prove that Babbel is better. And that's not just the Yale football team putting their thumb on the scale because they love learning Indonesian from Babbel. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Take that, Yale, I guess. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but this is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash Hodgman. Welcome back to the Judge John Hodgman podcast. Please rise as Judge John Hodgman re-enters the courtroom. You may be seated. All right. First of all, I got to be plain. I've been riding poetry pretty hard. You might think I don't like poetry. You're wrong. I like poetry. Poetry is great. I, 
It's obviously I love poetry. <laughs> it's gorgeous. And you know what? You know whose poems I really love? Who's? Billy Collins. Hmm. Yeah, he's pretty good. Very accessible American poet. And I say that uh, with admiration because I can read Billy Collins' poems with my now, as of the other day, 10 year old son. And he asks to hear them again. And it's, I'm, I'm communicating with my children better because of the work of Billy Collins. And it, and it all happened because I went to an event where Billy Collins read and I got to meet him and shoot skeet with him. <laughs> and wow. He, wow. He, we were both terrible shots, but he's a really nice guy. And then he read his poetry and let me tell you, Billy Collins has comedy chops. That guy, that, <laughs> his, some of his, his poems are very touching and, and great. And, Lan, but, and Lanyard is my favorite one of his. And yet that's yeah. also a really funny poem. Yeah, that is a and funny poem. You, you wouldn't know it until Billy Collins reads it. And then, I mean, it, he killed, he destroyed. And there are other, uh, and there are other good poets too. That's the, that's the, that's the Judge John Hodgman endorsement of poetry. <laughs> Billy Collins and other people are good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean po poetry is you know, the reason that I get so unnerved by readings of where there's fiction and there's nonfiction, and then a poet gets up is that I just feel so like, oh, what you're doing is so impossible. <laughs> trying, trying to be a poet and make a living as a poet is so impossible. I just, it just makes me feel like so protective of the person. And it, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable. And you know what else makes me feel uncomfortable? Passing a hat. Because the only time I ever see a hat being passed was when I would go to you know when Jonathan Colton was just starting to play songs out in bars uh with his Jonathan Colton band and we would go like to the sidewalk cafe in the East Village and see Jonathan Colton play a few songs and then another band play a few songs and then they'd pass that jar around and I, there'd be no you no more universal symbol than what we're doing is worthless that we are a charity case that you're, that you're giving money is voluntary, but really we know we're worth nothing. And that's part of the reason, and I certainly knew that John, the songs of Jonathan Colton were worth millions and millions of dollars. And, uh, and that's part of the reason why when I started doing my show, I wasn't going, I was going to, as I pointed out to you guys, send the message. There has to, you have to give us some money to value the work that we're doing. And the work that you're doing, I, I, I hear you, Danny, when you're like, um, I'm just afraid we're not going to be transparent. Like, it's really like you're really concerned that you won't be able to tell the truth. When the truth is what we're doing takes time and effort and there are actual costs involved with it. And and we deserve to be to get a little bit of money, even if we aren't paying the authors. Now, I think there's a way that you could compensate the authors a little bit and yourselves. It's called charging money. You give everybody <laughs> a little bit of money. And you take a little bit too, 
because you've earned it. You're not doing nothing. You're doing something. And audiences understand and respect that. What audiences don't respect is someone begging. The only other benefit of experience that I will give you guys is you've done this for three years and you've created a space that people love. And even if you aren't naturally driven to feel ambition to grow for its own sake, which I value and respect, growth is important to any creative enterprise. And, you know, you live in a, a nice big city in southern Maine and you have reach to all parts of New England. There are a lot of people around. Um, but you might find that unless you grow, you will find the experience getting a little stale for yourselves. And, uh, and, and at some point, it will reach a natural end, as the little Grey Book Lectures did for me. Um, you know, either you're going to have to keep kicking it up to a new level, to a new level, to a new level, and grow creatively. And that could mean a bigger space. That could mean paying authors. That could mean a really super, you know, like whatever it means. Or it can stay the same and then just gradually unwind. And you'll have to be at peace with the fact that it's just going to get stale for you guys and you won't want to do it anymore. So given the benefit of all of that advice, which is given given the value of my of my two cents, which I think is worth about one cent. Um, I will say this: Danny is right. Passing a hat sends a bad message that devalues what you're doing, even as you might be getting money for it. And Danny is also right in instinctively knowing that if you change the transaction all of the sudden, without reason, you're not keeping faith with your audience. Now, you remember how terrible I felt when I learned you guys had bought tickets for my Boston show? Because I had told you guys, I had told the listeners that I wasn't going to be doing any other shows in New England, and then I, and then I betrayed you by, starting a, by putting a show in Portland? That I feel terrible about that, and I didn't do anything wrong. It just that we couldn't do a Portland show, and all of a sudden, for various reasons, we could, and it made sense to do it. But I still knew that I wasn't keeping faith with the audience. And there are a lot of ways, you know, keeping faith with the audience means basically just keeping your promises both explicit and implied. And the promise that you have made to the audience for this reading series is this is how it goes. So even though I think you guys should charge money, you can't now. That would not be keeping faith with the audience. You can't change the game that dramatically at this point. The only way that you could have changed the, pay, the payment method from zero to something on this would be if you bumped up the services that you're providing by moving to a larger venue or expanding or saying we're going to start paying the authors or, you know, but you don't want to bump it up. You want to keep it where it is. You like it the way it is with the exception of the sound system. So I say, first of all, no hat pass. Sorry, Emily, you made a deal. You're doing this thing for free. You're getting, you're getting good feelings out of it as are the authors themselves. Keep faith with your audience don't pass the hat. Don't, don't charge admission on this one. 
wait until this reading series gets stale and falls apart. And then the next thing you start, you start charging $2 at the door to, to begin. That's my advice to you. My other advice to you is that you work, you go through the publication of this anthology and, and hold on requesting money for a new sound system until you've already gotten the anthology out there because that was something you did a fundraiser for. And you don't want to do too many fundraisers too quickly. You want to you balance them out a little bit. And then when the time comes, and you'll know when it's right, you'll do what we do at MaximumFun.org, and you just go out begging. And you say, we need, we need a new sound system, and we need to raise this amount of money, and this is the Kickstarter or the GoFundMe or the method by which we're going to raise the money or the potluck dinner we're going to hold or whatever it is. And you'll raise that money, and then you'll get the better sound system. And then you'll just go back to doing the same thing, unambitiously but happily, Portland style, <laughs> until you can't do it anymore. Uh, and I wish you the best of luck, and I would gladly, next time I'm available, come by and read in your thing. That would be the best. Yeah. Oh, and it's just you have to give me $5,000. This is the sound of a gavel. <laughs> Judge John Hodgman rules, that is all. Danny, do you view this as a victory that you uh, now will not have to charge or pass a hat around at your book club here, Word in Portland? Yeah, I'm very relieved, Monty. <laughs> and now, Emily, are you prepared to totally just sabotage your, you know, your current book club here so that you can rebuild, so that you can begin charging, so that you can maybe <laughs> pass your, you know, your top hat with the feather in? Around um, I'm afraid your that's exactly your what's going to have to happen. <laughs> Are you guys breaking up? Oh, I hope not. We're Danny? not breaking up. All right. Okay. <laughs> that would be that would be painfully sad. I would hate to I'd hate to see that happen. Well, I hope that uh, I give the, I give John them Hod two years. Two years. <laughs> and then yeah. Em Emily's got bigger, They've better plans. For three years. Yeah. Yeah. Emily's going to publish something or get busy or someone's going to you know, have a change of life of some kind and a relationship or whatever, or get another job or have to move. All creative enterprises have a lifespan. And I'm breaking in and breaking the fourth wall of my chambers to say, obviously the Judge John Hodgman podcast will continue, but <laughs> this is our last recording here in the studios of WERU with Joel, the third man, man. Thank you, Joel. I've been right about everything so far, right? Yes. He's nodding. Yeah. And, uh, and our last summertime fun time talks with Monty Belmonte down, down at WRSI, the river in Northampton, Massachusetts, my home commonwealth. Thank you, Monty. My pleasure. And I'm glad to, that our final, uh, our final contestants, contestants, litigants, <laughs> in this last recording in Maine are, pe are people from Vacation Land itself. So I hope you, I hope everyone who's listening had a, a wonderful summer, and if you'd like to hear all about mine and other things, you can come see me at Vacationland, johnhodgman.com slash tour. I will aim to keep faith with you, and if you feel you are wronged, we can talk about it afterwards at the signing. But in the meantime, thank you guys both, Danny and Emily, for being on the show. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on?
Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Monty, I'm going to miss you. And Joel, I'll tell you, I'm going to miss you, but you have got to shut up. <laughs> will you, Monty, will you please uh, say all the information that needs to be said? I will. Thank you to Charles Lewis Richter for suggesting this week's case name. Go set a tip jar to suggest a name for a future case. Like us on Facebook. We regularly put out a call for submissions. If you have a case for the judge, submit it at www.maximumfund.org slash jjho. But definitely do not donate when you're there. Because that would change. No, I'm just kidding. No, you should definitely donate. Uh, I've been your summertime good time bailiff, Monty Belmonte. Julia Smith produces the show. Mark McConville is our editor. Special thanks to Joel Mann at WERU for engineering for us in Blue Hill, Maine. Thanks for joining us for the Judge John Hodgman podcast. A hot dog in Maine is bright red, and it is not a sandwich. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.